welcome to episode 94 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This episode is an interview of sorts with a friend of mine. Scoops is his name. Skateboarding, surfing, and playing music is his game. Now, Scoops wrote to me recently and said, hey, I've got an interesting topic for your podcast, and that topic might be me and talking to me about what it's like being a black man who skates, surfs, and plays music in a punk band. So I thought, yeah, of course, that's great, because I do think there is an underrepresentation in all of those activities by black folks. I'm here to tell you as well, I am a huge believer in elevating and amplifying black voices. So that's one reason why we're here. The other reason is Scoops is a super rad dude who I love talking to. So I figured, hey, let's do an episode with Scoops. Let's get his perspective about skateboarding, surfing, and playing punk rock. And from somebody that's not a white dude, right? I mean, that's a good thing to hear different voices, I think, for sure. We are going to hear a few songs in this episode by bands that Scoops was or is a part of. Two bands, four songs in total, two songs from each band, that kind of thing. Two of the songs are by Scoops' band, Birdos. And those songs are Deep, Clean, and Mouthful. And the other two songs are by the band Floor Notes, and they are Hattie Mae and Hialeah Blues. Mouthful, by the way, was playing back at the very beginning of the episode and should be quietly playing in the background. Now, here's a couple interesting things about those bands. Both Birdos and Floor Notes had scoops on bass, okay? Tilt Wheel alumnus Mikey Eckel was on guitar and sang in the Birdos, and he played drums in Floor Notes. And last but not least, Miski from City Mouse sings and plays guitar and floor notes. So shit's tight. Kind of an all-star lineup there in some ways. These songs are going to be scattered kind of throughout the episode. I'll let you know which song is playing as either they come up or shortly after they get played. For now, though, it is time for the... Beer of the Episode. The beer of the episode in this, the Scoops episode, is the Skoll Pale Ale. It is a Norwegian-style pale ale with Kivik yeast. I have no idea if I said that right. And it weighs in at a hefty 7.5% alcohol by volume. That's actually not that hefty. That's actually kind of a milder beer. That's not too heavy. Well, I digress. Pardon me. I will report back in a moment after I try this beer. Stay tuned. Good. It's hoppy. It is a little hoppy, a little bit bitter. Not bad. Not bad. Ooh, I, I, I will toast to this one. Skull to this beer. Yes, indeed. I will say you cannot get this beer as of right now at the one, the only Plan 9 Alehouse. But Plan 9 Alehouse is doing a lot of different small batch beers kind of here and there, which this beer is more or less a part of. So keep your palates peeled for more small batch beers and many other incredible beers. You can do that by visiting Plan 9 Ale House at 155 East Grand Avenue in downtown Escondido, California. You can call Plan 9 Ale House at 760-489-8817 or visit Plan 9 Ale House on the web at www.plan9alehouse.com. Plan 9 Ale House, where the motto is beer to the people, 
And speaking of people, let's hear from Scoops. But first, here's the song Hattie Mae by the band Floor Notes. Please stay tuned. I saw your man today. Welcome. Thanks, Scoops. Thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I'm glad to talk to you, man. Well, let's get a little background on you. Where where did you grow up? What part of the world did you grow up in? Uh, In Ocean Beach, California, in San Diego. In OB, okay. Like a mile from the beach. Yeah, yeah. I was there from the age of three until 18, 19. Okay, all right. And then, then moved out to North Park and then pretty much been in like North Park City Heights. And then six years ago, made my way up to Seattle and been here ever since and pretty much loving it. Good. Okay, great, great. Skateboarding and surfing and stuff like that. When did that kind of come into your life? Did they kind of come into your life at the same time? Uh, skateboarding first. I had a friend that skated. So, you know, I got like a little swap meet board and then got more into it and got, you know, like the popsicle style and then actually started learning. I need like, the right size of stuff. So I had a, a pop school with trucks that stuck out 
like a big old Jeep or a monster truck or something. <laughs> and right. once I was trying to do tricks that, you know, that didn't really work. So, start, you know, so I want to say it was skateboarding was like 92, 93. Surfing was like 95. Oh, okay. how old are you right now? If you don't mind. Uh, 38. Oh, you're 38. Okay. All right. So you started skating. Yeah. Were you a kid in like 92? Were you pretty Yeah. Young? Like, like 12, but I probably started doing tricks around 13, 14. Cool. Or okay. just like pushing around the neighborhood and bombing hills and stuff. Cruising. All right. And when did you start? Yeah. When did you start surfing? Uh, I remember the exact date. It was April 15th, 1995. Tax day. Tax day of 95. <laughs> no. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. My mom, my mom bought me a surfboard. I went surfing that day, stood up my first day and was hooked ever since. What made you want to start surfing? Was it being an OB and kind of seeing people going surfing and going like, Hey, that looks like fun. That's something I want to do. Yeah. It just, it was just, I, I mean, I understood it, but I'm like, you're just riding across the water. Like that looks amazing. And you know, it's, there's seriously no other feeling like it in the world. Everyone says it's like closest to sex, but it's like so far away from it. But there's just no other feeling like it. Like you get in the water, you feel one way, you get out of the water, you're a completely different person. Sure. Okay. It's magical. You know, it is. Yeah. Agreed. Now, when did you start playing music? What age were you when you started playing music? 14, 15, you know, just the discovery age. Like it's, I learned, you know, I, I think I saw Rancid on MTV and I was like, oh my God, what is this? And then just started searching for music and realized like, I want to play something. And I like tried guitar and I was like, this is, I'm like, my hands are too big. This is too hard. And then picked up bass and I was like, yeah, this is, this is more my speed. Cool. And then kind of just stuck with bass ever since then. How old were you when you started playing in your first band? Uh, I had a high school band I played drums on for a little bit. It oh. was, and I bought like a cheap set and kind of just like basic, like one, two and like three, fours, like kind of beats just, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And then that fell through and then nothing till the Birdos. Okay. And that was kind of, you were in like your twenties, like mid twenties or so when the Birdos started? Uh, yeah. Mid twenties. Uh, Mike like asked me to join the Birdos. I'm like, sweet. I just got paid. I went and bought a bass. Oh, you didn't have a, okay. So, at the time you didn't have a bass. Not, not right then. no. And then he kind of like, I didn't know notes then. And then he kind of like just sat me down for a couple of days and he was just like, these are the notes. These are the songs. You have a week to learn them. And then we played a show in Jake's backyard. Oh, no kidding. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You went straight. So forward it was just, then. Yeah. Before it was just all tablature for me, you know? So I'd be like this string, like this dot. I would, when I would write songs, I would draw like the shape of the, the pattern of the, the chords. But yeah, when Mike sat down with me, I was like, oh, okay, chords. And he's like, these are leads. I was like, ooh, leads. And then from there, I was just, I would just sit there and try different leads all day long by myself, you know? Yeah, just practice, practice, practice by yourself all the time. Yeah. Cool. So, mm -hmm. so let me ask you this. I mean, so you've been, you're skating, you're surfing, playing music, all those things. Were you consistently still skating and surfing and playing music kind of all at the same time, still doing everything? Kind of, sort of. I see. I, I had to move out of my mom's house when I was 19, so I had to sell my boards. I had all long boards, so it's like, you know, nine feet long boards, not easy to store or yeah. move when you don't have a car. Uh, skated probably up until 22, 23, and then kind of just started like partying too hard. I was like, ah, I'm too hungover to skate. I just, yeah, just kind of like, kind of stepped out a little bit. I was, I was filming for a company nameless for a while too. 
and they were like, they felt the dude moved to Portland and the other dudes like were doing school and like starting businesses. And it's just, it just kind of like fell off, you know, not on purpose, but I think it was just, just probably partying too hard. And I'm just like, Ugh, I'd rather like sleep in until two and so I'd go skate. And yeah, that just happened over and over and over again. And then sure. that turned into years. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you're playing in a band at the time too, and going out at night and staying out late, playing shows, blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When, you know, all those scenes, they're kind of connected in some ways, you know, surfing, skating and music, but they're also a little bit separate to, to kind of break it down. Do you ever feel like, because you're a black man, you were treated differently than like a white person or, or anybody else being part of any of those scenes Were any of them say, I think the question I want to ask is kind of, were any of them worse than the others or were, did you feel pretty welcome in those like different groups of people? I mean, when I was a kid, it was like the nineties, it was completely different. You know, the young skater fag at you, this and that. Yeah. And, you know, I got it from like black people and white people. Like, why are you black? Why are you trying to act white? Like, like, why are you doing white shit? Why are you listen to white music? And I was just like, I don't see it as that. I just saw it as something I liked, you know, like you, you hear a sound and if you like it, you're drawn to that sound. And I just kept seeking it out. Like with music, you know, yeah. Um, with surfing, it was just like, I was drawn to it. It was, it was a great feeling, you know, skateboarding. It was challenging. And there was like, like, I'm never going to be pro good, but there's going to, so for me, there's an endless amount of tricks to learn. I can keep going and go, you know, I can learn this and I can learn it switch and I can learn it like nollie or fakie. And like, I just, I, it was, Kind of like endless possibilities with yeah. skateboarding in some exactly. ways. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But in the in the 90s, it was definitely harder. I remember being at Euclid Trolley. Uh, this was like early 2000s. I was just skating the manual pads, waiting for a bus. A huge black dude comes up to me and says, hey, niggas ain't supposed to skate. And I'm like, whew, thank God I'm not a nigger. And then just skated away. And it was like, holy shit, where'd that come from? It just like came out. Wow. And I was like, whoa. And he like stood there. And they're like, kind of stood there for a second. Kind of like, it seemed like, he didn't seem mad. He just seemed like he was kind of like, and then walked away. Like he didn't expect that. I didn't expect that. But yeah, from in the nineties, yeah, it was it was a definitely harder. Um, this like going to shows and stuff. I was always welcome. There was no problem. You know, punk is very like. I've always felt racially inclusive. Even growing up with everybody, you know, like fast crowd and all the other kids in San Diego. There's never been a problem. Like maybe jokes are like, haha, token, token black guy kind of thing. Right. Which I'm just like, you know, I took it with a grain of salt. I was like, there's no reason like getting a fight over this or get mad about it. These are my friends are making a joke. We, you know, I make jokes to them too. It's fine. But I, I don't feel that I was like pushed away because I was black, but I think I was more included because I was black. Hmm. If that makes sense. A little like bit. It was like a, against the grain, you know, it's like, whoa, like, you know, and, you know, I was, I was nice and like, you know, inviting to people. So I didn't seem like a threat. I'm a big dude. So I could understand right. like being like, oh, what is he? You know, you seem scary. But like, you know, after you talk to me for a little bit, you can just kind of tell him a big ass teddy bear. So. Yeah, that that's exactly was always my first impression of you. Like, this is like the, the nicest dude in the world, you know, like he's huge, but he is, and it doesn't even matter black or white or anything, you know, it's like, wow, this is Mm -hmm. a big dude. 
you know, oh my God, he's like, he is one of those gentle giants in some ways, like a very yeah, nice like, like big, tall, handsome Aaron, big dude, but so nice, right. you know? Yeah, and yeah. he kind of just, he has that like look on his face, like, oh, you're a sweetheart. Let's hang out, you know, like totally. easy to talk to, he's funny, you know, so, but I can get how big dudes are intimidating. That can be, yeah. So, I mean, so you felt there was never any time really in around San Diego or anything like that, where you felt like an outsider, like people would exclude you just because of the color of your skin or anything like that, that you would say. No, after high school, no, but like junior high and high school, definitely like that whole, like, you know, there was like one other black skater that was younger, but he was really good. So he was like accepted. And I was very like sucky slash mediocre. So, and I wasn't like in the cool crowd. So I definitely got shit for it, but I didn't care, man. I was having fun. I'll go skate. You know, you can go skate by yourself for hours. It's great to skate with friends. Yeah. But skating by yourself could be just as fun, too. When you were growing up, did you have any role models that you really looked up to? Any pros or anything like that in the skateboarding world that you kind of really looked up to that you thought were just the best thing in the world kind of thing? Uh, I remember seeing uh, Oscar Jordan and Cat and Russell. They're both from OB. They were probably about five years older than me, which is like a cute, you know, when you're a kid and they're like teenagers, like, whoa, you're old. That's a big gap. But like they, yeah, yeah. They were like super good and super nice. And then like, I remember seeing like photos of John Reeves, like all over fire hydrants when it was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Now everyone's like 360 flipping over a a fire hydrant (laughs) Over a car. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I I remember seeing like them down in like TV and stuff and just being like, wow, like, like it's not that like, yeah, I can do that too, but it's like, they're making it doing it. They're in the magazines, they're in the videos, you know, they got decks with their names on them and stuff. They're skating contests, you know, making money. It's like, it's kind of showed that like, I don't want to say like, I mean, they definitely helped push the door open for people as long, along with uh, many other people. But those were the ones that were like in my face. I saw them like once a month, if not every weekend, you know, kind of inspiring in some ways to see people at yeah. that skill level doing what they were doing and also knowing like, Oh, these, like these guys have kind of made it in a way being, were they, are those all, were all those guys pros at some point? Yeah. Yeah. John Reeves was pro for like invisible. I think for the most part, uh, cat and Russell, he was like on Osiris, uh, I think like arcade, a bunch of other bigger company. He, yeah, he, he like, you know, he would do like 18 stair rails, no problem. Bunch of huge gaps. Uh, Oscar Jordan was like kind of techie sort of, but like not, not like super flip in flip out, but I filmed him at a contest doing uh back crooks, back lip on a 10 stair. And I was like, Whoa, that's like, that's heavy. That's wow. That is that's big, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's big. And he, and he was in his, uh, mid thirties then, you know, he was already on the downhill of his pro thing, but yeah. And that wasn't even the best trick of the contest. And I was just like, whoa, that's I mean, that's my favorite trick of the contest, hands down. Wow. Wow. It's crazy. That's yeah. pretty rad. I mean, and out of those guys, were any of those guys also black? All of them. Oh, cool. Okay. I didn't know any of the names, dude. So, yeah. I'll edit that out. But I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. They're uh names. so John Reeves is like a chubbier dude, so that's why I like stuck to him like you're chubby and black and you Ollie High. Like that's crazy. And then like seeing uh Catton and uh and Oscar, like in my actual neighborhood, just skating the same spot that I skate was just like, 
like, this is cool, man. And, you know, all the kids are like all on their jock and stuff. I'm just like, like, it, you know, it was like, well, I'm not good. That's why, that's why they're not on my jock. But like, I didn't, then I didn't know if I, I didn't look at it as a racial thing. I just looked at it as like, I was the only like black punk that everyone knew. And that was just different. Sure. Sure. You know, yeah. like it wasn't something you see every day. So, right. Right. It wasn't like thing hiling at me or anything like that. You know? Oh, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I think about it too, in San Diego, like you're the only black person that I know that was in kind of in our little scene, in our group of friends and people, to be honest with you, I'm, that's mm-hmm. that's definitely a question I want to ask. Why do you think, especially in music, in punk rock music, there's not much representation from black people? It's, you know, in Southern California, I think especially, it seems like to me. I, not 100%. I feel like also like what you, what you, you know, like I said, like what catches your ear. Also, like, what you're exposed to and around, like, I don't know, I grew up on, like, my grandpa would throw, like, jazz, like, throw headphones on me and, like, we listened to jazz. Uh, my mom grew up on, like, The Temptations and Soul and, like, uh, Jackson stuff. 5. Oh, yeah. 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 And, like, I've always wanted to start, like, a Temptations meet the Ramones kind of thing. Oh, that's awesome. Like, kind of, like, sludgy, but, like, you know, dancey bass lines. I guess kind of, like, the briefs or... Uh, What's the other band? Yeah, cute, uh, cute lepers, something kind of like that, but with like a killer vocalist, like with Temptation style vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how much those two like meet in like the spider web of music, but I definitely feel like I heard more guitars and trumpets and like 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 brass section and bass, like and drums. Like I heard more full band than synthesized band. Like beats and you know computer generated music so i feel like that's what kind of drew me to that but i've always i've always loved live bands more than like a dj or like i don't know if you ever, you heard of the roots the hip-hop group oh yeah 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 i saw them and that was probably one of the best shows i've ever been to they're a full band, it's a full it's band. hip-hop yeah 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 it's and it's so great and it's like i know and you know with how hard it is to get like even like two other dudes to like meet up and like play music together like they have a huge band and just to get together and click that well is like and then how long we've been doing it is amazing you That's know a big accomplishment a huge accomplishment yeah so but if you talk to those kind of musicians too like there's a lot of rock that has influenced them over the years and it's like that's not exactly what they want to do but they learned it and they appreciate it and it's you can definitely hear if you can just like just hear the guitar track or just the bass track you can hear other stuff in that sure you know? sure it's influenced by not not like a, a rip off or at a, in any way shape or form but you can hear those kind of subtle nuances that are in the music that it could have come from listening to something like the temptations or the supremes or any of the older uh, motown stuff you know yeah i, I mean if it's got a great bass line i'm i'm in no matter what the what it is, like I'm not a country fan, but I've heard some country songs. Like, if you add a couple more notes to that baseline, that could be sick, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, you just get a good baseline, and I'm I'm sold. Nice. Okay. Cool. As far as surfing goes, to me, were, were the was there anybody in kind of the surfing realm that you lucked up to that was also 
a black person or a person of color or anything like that? There was no one growing up. It was all like Hawaiians, Australians, Americans, mostly all white dudes. Uh, I remember Bonga Perkins was a Hawaiian dude that wrote a longboard that I was like really into him. Uh, Joel Tudor is a local dude in San Diego. He had like a, he still has a great style, you know, and uh, Robert August is like an older surfer and shaper. Uh, God, what's his name? Uh, Skip Fry. But he's another local dude, local like legendary shaper. Um, but yeah, it was mostly like all white dudes, you know. Uh, Rob Machado, I loved his hair. He had the big hair for most of the time, you know. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was mo- it was mostly white dudes for. I didn't see a black face in the water for at least fifteen years. Wow, from when you were a kid and until yeah, all growing up until. You know, I honestly, like, like the year before I left San Diego was probably, like, the best swell I've ever had, ever, like, in San Diego over that summer. And we were surfing North Jetty, and it was six of us. And it was five black dudes and one white dude. Wow. And we all noticed it, and we're all like, this is fucking awesome. Even the white dude was like, this is, he's like, I will probably never experience this in my life. This is fucking amazing. And we're all like, dude, this is amazing. Like, holy shit, we all brothers out here. He's like. Like, hey, you do, you're a brother too. We don't care, man. We don't care for you. Why you're out That's here with us, we're all having yeah. fun. And it was seriously like one of the best surfing experiences I've ever had. And I, I don't know if I'll ever have that again, but there's, there are so many black surfers now. I followed a couple of Instagrams and it's like, there's clubs that meet in like Encinitas and, and Cardiff and go surf. It's rich, super cool. And it's, you know, it's a lot of like older people, like bringing like the younger people in. So like people that are older than me that, you know, I I didn't have a car, so I was surfing OB for you know the first ten years of surfing. Sure, wherever you could walk and to the, to get out or whatever, pretty much. So yeah, yeah, exactly. But there, yeah, there's all up and down the coast, Santa Cruz. You know, um, there's a black surfer up here in Seattle that I run into out in the water a couple of times. I can't I can't remember his name. I haven't I haven't been in the water up here in years. But yeah, it's it's growing, but I feel like it's always been there, but just little more hidden you right know? not not as just out front as as you know like there's some there's white surfers everywhere you know i mean looking looking for some good questions to ask you and that kind of thing for this one i read a story about a black surfer in staten island new york and one of the questions they asked him was does anybody ever give you a hard time do any of the white guys out in the water or on the beach ever give you any shit and he said no the only people that have ever given me a hard time were other black guys and and he said his philosophy was if they'd say hey you don't just like you said at the beginning like the guy at the bus station you know hey black people don't surf what are you doing he'd say bullshit that's what i'm doing right now here i and Mm -hmm. he brings extra boards with him so that anybody that says that to him he can say come out in the water with me dude come check it out let's and then he's actually gotten people into surfing by doing that other black folks you know that kind of thing so really beautiful That's, story oh, this guy I, oh yeah i love beautiful that. story yeah. and he he actually brings kids in from the city and teaches them how to surf and it's like he's growing this whole scene of surfers that are black in like the staten island area that would have never surfed before just because of his efforts, that kind of thing. It's a beautiful story. Man, that's awesome. Awesome. Awesome yeah. story. Yeah. That's great. And I was going to say, you know what, what I noticed when surfing was kind of at its, 
it was going through kind of a weird phase in the seventies, but things were changing. And one of the people that really changed the face of surfing in the seventies was Larry Bertelman, who's also a black dude from uh, Hawaii. Right. And his story, uh-huh. his story is, and it's so such a rad story. That guy had so much style skater and surfer, you know, yeah. he, the Bertelman's named after him. So yeah, I, I tell I tell my family, I'm like, I'm going to go do a Bert because our dog's nickname is Bert. So I'm like, I'm going to go do a Bertelman for Bert today. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so his but history, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was at the time, he was the only black professional surfer in the United States during the 1970s. So the thing is, you didn't let it, that didn't, you wanted to just go surf. It's not a case of, you didn't have any inspiring role models that were also black like you, but that didn't stop you from wanting to get out there and surf and do your thing. And it's great to see surfing is growing to be much more inclusive in a lot of ways. It seems like skateboarding kind of really started that to me. I don't know if you agree or not, like in the nineties, you know, with like Ray Barbie, Ron Allen, Sal Barbier, all those guys I noticed Mm -hmm. were coming up through the ranks and, and Sean Sheffy. I mean, they were changing skateboarding for the better yeah. so much so alfonso rawls too don't can't forget alf man. dude this he made this hoodie yeah 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 what's um what's his thing uh, it called um skates uh, everybody skates everybody skates that's it everybody skates. Uh, yeah. love so many great i just ordered another one because he like expanded the list so I, I just ordered another one it should be here tomorrow oh nice but yeah i when i saw that hoodie i'm like i am on top of this like i'm like Black dude making like black products, stuff I support, skateboarding, like half these dudes I like, you know, grew up watching. It's like, man, like it can't get any better than this. Like this, like this, like kind of this like shirt was made for me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was, yeah, super hyped on that. So I was thinking of something that you were saying um, about the dude from New York. Um, I feel like a lot of people, like a lot of black dudes might feel that like that's white people shit. I can't do that. When it's just like, it's just a thing, you know, I guess if you look at like socioeconomic things, like more white people live by the beach. So it's yeah. easier to access, you know, you can't, it's hard to take a board on the bus from the inner city, you know, or like even have money to get a board, like, or let them get you a shop to get a board, you know, like you got to drop at least a hundred bucks, you know? Oh yeah. Easy. And sometimes for, for that's, like, board, that's like, right? I mean, for a decent, yeah, decent used board. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, if you ding it and like, you don't know how to fix it, like that could be another hundred bucks or you snap it or just like getting to and from and then wetsuit. That's another like 200 bucks right there. Like starting to surf is not cheap. Right. You know, yeah. you know, I always tell everyone, get a hundred dollar beater, try it in the summer. You don't need a wetsuit. If you're hooked and you keep wanting to sit wanting to surf and the water gets cold, spend another 200 bucks on a wetsuit and then. And then if you're into it, start spending a hundred dollars on boards and a couple hundred dollars on wetsuits and stuff. So then invest in it. Don't invest in it until you figure out if you're going to like it or not. Ex- yeah. 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 Exactly. It's yeah. It's just like you starting skateboarding on like a crappy board. I think most people who skate did kind of do that. You know, if they're, if they did it the, the right way or whatever, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. You get a hand me down or you're riding your, your bigger brother, or your neighbor's thing. And then you're like, mom, 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 I want this. It's like, exactly. you know, to get a decent board, it's like about a hundred bucks, you know? And it's like, oh, you're, you're it's like, oh, he's going to like wear through shoes. He's going to want a new pair of shoes every month. And he's going to rip his clothes. Like for a parent, I can definitely see how that's like, and oh, and your kid's gonna probably get hurt at some point. It's like medical costs, 
clothing costs. Oh, and now he's going to have style. So he's going to, so clothing costs are going to go up. Shoe costs are going to go up. So I could see how that's like, you know, how it's like, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to let my kid do this. I don't want to sleep tonight. I mean, that's an interesting point that you make is that it you I mean you grew up right by the beach mm-hmm. you know what do you think the population is in Ocean Beach California the percentage of the population that is black folks is pretty small compared to say City Heights area or something like that where you'd have to take you know a 45 minute to an hour bus ride to get if you're a kid to get from your house to the beach and that's not something that's probably going to happen unless if you're really die hard and kind of serious about it in some ways. So, and yeah, you gotta, I mean, I know there's a lot of short boards out there, but you know, say you're, you're just pulling a six, six board. Like that's like you and another person and it's, and it's rigid. It doesn't sit down on a seat. So you got to hold that thing. You got to make it like around people and out the door without digging it. And then to the next bus. And like, 
I can understand how it's like, uh, that was just too much work. But I mean, shit, man, I used to rent those, you know, those, what were those, those little cars you could rent, uh, before Lyft and all that. Yes. Oh God. Yes. You could rent them and you could almost rent them for for cheaper than a car payment in some ways too. Yeah. I would get that and throw my nine foot surfboard in there. It'd be hanging out six feet. I'd be hanging (laughs) onto it. I'd drive on the streets. It cost me 18 bucks there and back. But you know what? I didn't care. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go out there in the morning. I'm going to surf for, you know, until I can't walk anymore. Then we go jump in the little car and drive back home. Wow. That's dedication, man. You're very dedicated. So it's, it's, I mean, it was my first like real love. It was the first thing I was like, I'm going to throw my entire self into this, you know? Sure. It was fun. It was challenging. I mean, like being just surrounded by the salt water is just like this. There's no, like I said, there's no other feeling like it. Even just sitting out there laying on your board, it's like watching the sunset, man. It's like one of the most peaceful things in the entire world. Yeah. 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 You just watch the sun going down, going down. You're like, and then you see like a swell coming up. Like, Oh, got to turn around and jump on, you know, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. It's, and it's like, it's a selfish sport. It's like, you know, you're trying to get in position for that wave. You know, it's your, you're on it. It's your wave. No one else can drop in on you. If they do, they're a dick. Like, right kind of like skateboarding, you know, it's like you're, you know, it's not a, it's not a team sport or, I mean, some people say it's not a sport, you know, you can have that argument, whatever, but you know, it's, it's all about you landing that trick or like you catching that wave. And of course, like seeing your buddies catch waves and land tricks is like some of the best parts of both. Sure. But also when, when you were been like working on a trick for, you know, a couple of years and you finally get it, you're like, God, Okay, I gotta get one more. It's because you gotta do two to make it true. Just to make sure I can really so, actually do this. Yeah, that wasn't like a dream kind of thing. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It wasn't just a fluke, you know. Right. But yeah, that's I mean, yeah, like laying out in the in the ocean, just like laying on my board watching the sun go down was like, all right, session's closing up, gonna catch a couple more, maybe one more, and it's just I just like seriously there are not words to describe the feeling going through you during that time. And it is, you know, you understand you, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the thing, <laughs> kind of the key point that you're making in some ways is skateboarding and surfing and even music in a lot of ways, it's a lot about self-improvement. It's a lot about achieving goals that you set for yourself in some ways. And it doesn't affect the rest of the team because there is no team. It's just you and you're stoked for your buddies that are doing cool stuff too. But that doesn't mm-hmm. compare to the first time you land a kickflip or the first time like for me, it was always the first time I was able to go right instead of just left on a wave. It was like, ah, yeah, I did it, yeah, I did it, you know. So um, it's a huge, yeah, that, a huge self self feeling of like gives you feel so much self worth and and et cetera. So yeah, and you're like, oh my god, that was so fun. You're like, I want to go do it again. So you paddle back out. You're like, all right, I'm gonna try to go right and then like hit the top of the wave. Or, right. Just you know, it's like those beginning times when it's all new. I mean, it's still great after 30 years, but like those steps into just the fundamentals. You're like, Oh, I can turn. Oh my God. I can get in the curl. I can like shoot down the wave and beat section. Like just those steps of like becoming a better surfer or a better skateboarder. Like, you know, being able to push well, or like I pushed Mongo forever. Yeah. Me too. Forever. Me too. For like <laughs> for, forever. And then like my buddy's like, look, just when you come to work, push from the bus stop to work. It's three blocks. Push regular. I'm like, okay. Six months later, I was pushing regular. Yeah. Yeah. And what a big difference that made for skateboarding too, for in your, in, in the way, yeah, like a huge difference in how much speed oh, you can get. Right where you need to, yeah. Oh yeah. That's great. So that kind of answered my next question really was 
in some ways I was going to say, why do you think in all three of those things, skateboarding, you know, not so much skateboarding these days, but why there was a low level of representation by black people in music, especially punk rock and surfing. And like I said, not so much skateboarding, but I think you kind of answered that question. In some ways it's a question of access. It's a question of acceptance too. Maybe not money too. And and money. So there's social economic reasons for it, which that's probably that. And a fear of not being accepted by whatever group you're going to try and become a part of in some way. Those two things are that that's the most heartbreaking shit ever really to me, you know, like how many people that are insane would just be the best surfer ever or the best drummer, best guitarist, best singer, whatever didn't get into punk rock. Didn't get into surfing because they were black because they didn't feel like they were going to be able to do it or something like that. Or they'd be given a, a really hard, it would be too hard to deal with all the bullshit from other people they'd have to deal with in order to do it. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel, you know, I think back to like being a kid and I you think you remember all this stuff, but like watch my daughter, she's 14. And I'm just like, I forgot how much being accepted was like almost top priority back then. You know, it's like up there, like being accepted by your peers. So I definitely understand that. And then even like Kelly Slater was touching on like, he's like, he's like, why are there not more black skate, like black surfers? He's like, he's like, I'm surprised one of the top 10 surfers in the world is not black. Right. He's like, I bet you, if you would have, if you give someone the access, like here's a board, here's a wetsuit and here's rides to the beach. I bet you, you could find someone in the inner city that would, could be one of the best surfers in the world. If they just had the access and the way to get there, or, you know, like, and everyone has different reasons. Like maybe some kids have to like go to work sooner than later. You know, um, I, I know I had, I started working at like 16 and it was more like for my money. So I wasn't like, mom, mom, mom. I, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going through shoes. I'm going through boards. I know my mom's poor. So like, if I just make like 200 bucks a month, I can get a couple boards and a set of shoes. that will last me the month next, the next month, you know, I got that other 200 bucks when I'm worn through everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. Case of self-reliance in your, in, in your case, for sure. You're like, cause you didn't, like you said, you didn't necessarily have to work to make rent, not till you moved out of your, your mom's house, that kind of thing. So. Right, right, right. And I mean, she, I was her only child, so of course she'd like want to, but I, you know, I, I felt, I saw that it was like putting more of a strain than it needed to. And you know, when she was buying me boards, I'd ride them to like the boards were nubbed. You know, like the tails, like, you know, when you're kicking your ollie, your board's like almost straight up and down <laughs> right, kind of because thing. Because it's only that long. So, yeah. You, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I'm sure I, I know there's like a million different reasons why, but I feel like the acceptance thing is a huge part of it. Do you think that would prevent some black kids who would otherwise want to do it and maybe even have the means to do it from getting into these worlds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe not so much now just because it's opened up a lot more and you've seen, like you've seen like black people on X games and surfing in the water. And there's, you know, there's been like surfer, like big articles about them and stuff. But like, yeah, I just feel like as a kid, like your friends aren't like, if your friends don't want to do it, you don't want to do it. I mean, that's how I got into surfing and skating. My friends skated, my friends surfed. I was like, all right, I want to try that. I want to hang out with you guys and do this. And I was like, 
Oh, you guys can't go surf? Okay, cool. I'm still going surfing. Yeah. You know, like I found the love. They showed me how to find the love and then I found it and it was like, not that I didn't need them anymore. It was just that like, hey, I, I could walk down the, the bike trail to the beach. It takes me 20 minutes. You know, if you, you got homework or you're grounded, like I'm not grounded. I'm going surfing. All right. I mean, you, yeah. you might be a lot, in your case, you had some fortunate circumstances that could lead you to do, to do these kind of things, you know, that other kids, other kids that were black may not have had in their life. And I think like you right, said, it's, right. it's changing though. I mean, there is like cite the guy from Staten Island. Once again, you know, he's making thing he's making it easier for black kids to get access to surfing and that kind of thing. And it's such a great thing. I mean, it is, it's great to see more representation in all those different worlds by black people, because it does show other, you know, kids go, Hey, they're doing it. I can do it too. And that looks like fun. And that's probably the key thing is like that looks, cause that's why you got into it. That's why I got into it too. Fuck. I want to do that. Mm-hmm. That looks like a blast. You know, you know, Rashawn, he was in cattle D for a little bit. Uh, younger black dude, tall like me, same build kind of thing. He lives up here now. And we were roommates for a minute. Okay. Um, yeah, he was telling me, he's like, I remember being younger and seeing you at Soma and being like, oh, another black dude. Awesome. And so, like, hearing that from him, I was just like, I never thought of my, I'm not like, I'm not doing this to pave the way for anything. I was doing that shit because it was fun. Hearing that from him was like, whoa, I was, like, paving the way. But I wasn't, I, that wasn't the goal. I was like, I want to go see a ska band. I want to go see a punk band, you know? Right. I want to go right away, you know, and he, he got into surfing too. Uh, I think a little later in life, but again, he got into it and just loved it. You know, that's great. So like, yeah. it's just, it's cool to hear from people that like, wow, like I've told you, like, Oh my God, I saw you growing up and you're like a major influence on me. And it's like to tell someone that it's cool, but it's like, you know, if they're pro and big names, like they probably heard that a bunch, but like to actually hear it from someone and someone that's now your friend is like, Really touches the heartstrings. That's awesome. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It truly is. That's great, man. Yeah. And I yeah. think maybe we're starting to see that more and more in, in some ways, you know? And it seems that way to me a little mm-hmm. bit. I think there's still a long way to go, you know, before, you know, punk and skating and surfing is, like, truly inclusive. And there's a case of, like, colorblindness in the sense where it's like, fuck, everybody does it, you know? And there's no... Like, look, this guy, look, oh, whoa, like, that's weird. There's a black surfer in the water, like, where it's like, oh, you know, there's a dude out in the water, too, or whatever. And I kind of hate the colorblind right. thing because it does, it seems kind of shitty, especially when it comes from a white guy. Like, oh, I don't see color, right? Like, well, you know, it's because you've had it fucking easy being white, getting into all this shit. It's like you were already in the club when you were born, motherfucker, you know, and you weren't, you know, <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah. I mean, that's kind of my point with that, I guess. But how do you feel about the stuff that's happened in the last four years with Trump and the White House and what really seems like a push from the like gnarly alt-righters and like racists coming out of the fucking woodworks? It seems like in your life, has that had any of that really had an effect on you? I mean, yeah, and the fact that like, I'm not necessarily scared to walk out my door. You know, I go skate by myself. I've actually been skating with buddies more than by myself over the last couple of years. But the other day I, I was like skating by myself and I was like, Oh shit, this is, I'm like, I, I couldn't figure out why I was so anxious. 
Well, I was kept looking over my shoulder and, and I was like right down the street from my house. Hmm. I was like, fuck, this is the first time I've been skating alone in like nine months. You know, I'm like, and I'm talking like just at a, not a skate park, just like a little spot down the street. Like I'll go to the skate park by myself. There'll be people there. I don't feel like I'll run into any trouble there. So like I'm supposed to be there as a skateboarder, but you know, right. you skate behind buildings, you skate like parking lots. There's a lot of, a lot of covered spots up here because it rains all the time. Yeah. Right. But like, you know, nowadays I'll show up like 15 minutes late if we're skating behind a building. I'm not trying to like get there and like, I'll get there early usually and like sweep out rocks and like wax ledges and start warming up, stretching and stuff. But like, I don't want some dude to see me, some like Patriot patroller to see me like, Oh, what's he doing behind that building? Why is he sleeping that? What's he doing? Like, you know, like I don't want to be some like, I don't want to be some dude's example. Sure. Like that's, that's what I'm most afraid of. I'm like, afraid for my wife. She's Mexican. My daughter, she's Mexican. Like, I don't want some random dude. She goes, she'll go grocery shopping at like six in the morning. Cause it's the place is empty. Yeah. You know, it's like Winco's like 24 hours. So she'll go super early or like later. And I'm like, if I fall asleep, wake me up. I don't, I don't want you walking through the parking lot with handfuls of groceries where you're defenseless. Like, like I'm worried for them and like some random person, like trying to do some shit to them. Cause like they're a woman, they're more vulnerable. Like, that like that's the kind of stuff I'm worried about. I know there's other fears. I know there's fears of getting shit. Every time I pass a cop, I look in my rearview mirror to like see if he's turning around and following me. If there's a cop behind me watching him in the review, like yeah, that's scary. But honestly, I've had like more good interactions with cops. You know, like like the UW cops. They're like, hey, you know, this comes from the top. We don't want to kick you out, but we got to. And they talk to us about like the tagging that's there and stuff. And we're like, hey, like you tell us the color that we need to paint it and we'll paint it. Like, like we're parents. We're just trying to get out and have some fun. You know, like we just want to skate. We're not trying to like destroy this place. And like they're, UW cops are cool, but they're like, they got a cake job, you know? Yeah. Like they're, you know, they're not worrying about too, too much, but like, yeah. Like seeing a cop go by is kind of scary. Like not that they've done anything. You know, most cops have been like, most cops have been mad at me for skating for skating. You know, with a group of people, everyone sit down, IDs out. And there's not like a, hey, you kind of, there's never anything like that. Singling you out kind of thing. Yeah, it was definitely more of like, hey, you can't be here, go. I've only got like one skateboarding ticket in my life. Or like, hey, my kid skates. I know I get it, guys, but someone called. I'm just doing my job. Definitely more of that hmm. than like, like, you know, cop like line us all up and like, all right, if any of you guys have any like outstanding warrants or any like kind of trouble, the cops are going to jail. Like very rarely any of that. But I've also like, I don't know when I was like 21, I'm like, I'm too old to run from the cops. I'm just like, Hey, all right, we'll leave. I'm sorry. And that's been most of the interaction, but still I know it just takes one bad time for something bad to happen. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, especially unfortunately in your case, that it could just be, it could be racially motivated. And that's like a horrible thing to think about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't even really want to ask too much, ask about the politics and the Trump thing and the, the, his riling up of his base, who it seems like are a bunch of fucking racists, you know, to me in a lot of ways, it sounds like maybe you have to look over your shoulder. You're a little bit more cautious because of the things that we hear about and just from the things that have been done and those, 
that those types of people have done. But otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's it's just it's business as usual. You just got to be more careful now than you had to be before. Yeah, it's like like I'm driving down to Portland tomorrow to go skate, and it's like Seattle, Portland, pretty okay. That whole area in between. Yeah, it's like I'm glad it's gonna be cloudy. I'm glad it's gonna be rainy. I've never had problems driving back before. You know, I do, I do it. I used to do it all the time. You know, like once a month. But now it's just like. I mean, I guess it's not like Trump turned these people racist. Right. They're probably always racist, but now they're just like, like, but Superman with the S on his chest. Like, I'm racist. Like, it, you know, like, and fucking proud and fucking yelling about it. And right, right. That's like, you know, that's the sca- That's kind of the scary part. It was like, I knew they were always there. I knew, you know, I've always like noticed different looks and all that. I'm just like, all right, you're fucking racist. Like, you fucking, you do your thing, I'll do mine. We got to fucking coexist, I guess, you know. But now they're like, we got a fucking point to prove. Like, you know, I don't know if they're quite like, I'm not sure if some of them are like fucking extermination, but I think the mass of them aren't quite there yet. I hope. Yeah, I would agree. You know? Oh, I, I just don't know. You know, I don't know what, I just think they're too, I don't know how they can, how their brains can direct their lungs to fill up with air. They're that fucking stupid to me. You know what I mean? Like ignorant and ridiculous is the, my thought, but all right, really. I mean, that's about it. I just, I wanted to ask you what you had kind of coming up in the future as far as music. Do you have any plans to play music anytime soon? I've decided I'm going to play music when I can't skateboard anymore because I don't want to like have a show. And my friend's like, we're all going out of town to go film. And I'm like, ah, cause I honestly love skateboarding more than I do playing music. You're more I'll way play, into skating right now. I mean, that's your big, that's yeah. like your big thing for sure. I'm, right? I feel like I'm better now than I was in my twenties. I'm learning. I have tricks that I've never had before. You know, I'm, I'm not like going big. I'm skating a lot of curves and ledges and stuff, right. but like, like my buddies are like pretty good. And because of them, like I've gotten so like so much better, you know, they've like challenged me. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm done. They're like, come on one more try which turns into 10, which turns into 20, which usually ends up turning into a landed trick. It's like, oh, I did it. Oh, I can, I can do that. All right, let's like, I want to bring that to something bigger or like throw a shove it out in it or like, you know, let's try it front side or, you know, they're def- like Austin, Jerry, uh, Dan, like those dudes like have definitely like pushed me harder and like been my like biggest supporters. Like you watch my clips with the sound on and you'll hear someone in the background like, woo, clapping, you know? And we all hoot and holler for each other. Like, you know, we're all each other's biggest supporters, you know? Sure. Are you yeah. part of some kind of a skate team or something like that too? Uh, team Sweatstain is kind of like the only one. That's it's it. uh, my friend, Josh Kluger. Uh, he, yeah. It's like a hashtag you can follow. There's no like real company or boards or anything. Um, and then I run my, uh, my friend Jerry and Austin ride for let's go skate club. It's a uh, Bellingham company. So they're like local, um, so I run their friends page and it's like any, like old dudes, pros, kids sit like can send clips and we like repost them. And it's, it's cool. like really cool. Like kids are super into it. You know, like I, uh, our first post was, uh, John's daughter, Eleanor, her first like drop in at OB park. Nice. And I was like, Oh, I'm so proud. And I'm like, man, she looks so much more comfortable on the board than she did when she was a kid. Like when she was younger, cause she's still a kid. And I was like, oh, I'm so proud. And just watching all these different kids, like, send me all this different stuff. You know, like, oh, I just played my first front board shove it. Or, you know, I was skating in the snow or all that kind of stuff. 
but yeah, I'm running the, running that page. Cool. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm not like really sponsored by anyone. And like, I don't know if I really want to be, cause I like buying, I write like a nine inch board now, but I like buying different boards company. Like I buy a Lithgow skate club board. Then I got my buddy up in Everett that has like a shop at Everett pops. And he has a like small board company called Sucko. I'm like, I'll buy a fucko board next, you know, or I'll buy like a blood wizard board. So, you know, I like to, I don't want to have to ride the same board every time. Yeah, There's nothing holding you down. You can kind of do whatever you use, whatever stuff you want and do your, do your thing. So cool. Yeah. So the team sweat stain thing is kind of like you and your buddies, like your little crew in in a sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, we all are super sweaty dudes and we drink uh, water out of like Stanley water bottles. That's like, that's like the criteria, you know? <laughs> cool. So, all right. So yeah. follow hashtag. And the youngest dudes, I think like, <laughs> yeah, the youngest dude's like 32. So we're all old dudes. And the guy that runs it is uh, Josh Pluger. We call him Papa Plugs, And he's like one of the nicest guys ever. Cool. Cool. All right. Yeah. I like I met, I got close with him when we did, uh, we do a get rad for kids tour like every year. Uh, and we raise money for a children's hospital. Uh, last year we got our biggest year ever, not last year, 2019, uh, seven grand. And it's just wow. seven old dudes going out skating. We ask for donations. We have like little contests, like some kid will be at a park and like, he's struggling with a trick. We're like, if you land that trick, we'll give you a board. And he's like, really? And so he like gets a trick and like we give him a board or like we just see some kid ripping around. We're like, hey, really like what your stuff is here. But he has a T-shirt and some socks and stuff, you know, but it's all like the goal is to get donations for children's hospitals. Oh, nice. OK, so, cool. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't get to do a tour last year because of COVID. Yeah. So we're hoping we're hoping this year. And it's kind of like a, there's not like a set set of people It's kind of like, hey, I'm throwing this out there. And we take like four or five days and we go we went to like. Uh, the Oregon coast and stayed and like hit Portland and some spots around there. Uh, Klatsk and I, uh, Astoria. Nice. Okay. And you know, we're just, uh, we're just out there skating and we just kind of like begging for money, but we're like, Hey, it's all going to children's hospital. We ask our works, you know, parents, wives, kids, we donate, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's all for a good cause. And it's like, you know, like they like they're just like this is amazing like you know they get like thousands of dollars in donations but like you know here's some old scum dude skaters tossing you five grand you know that's great and they're like yeah and it's a good excuse to go out and have fun too for you guys you know in some ways exactly yeah (laughs) and our work is like oh you're gonna go do something for the kids like of course i'll give you the time you can have the time off i didn't mention oh yeah here's like 500 bucks to donate oh that's awesome yeah like yeah works so everyone supports it you know it's it's all for a good cause so my friend kenny started that and he's that dude's a great dude too so yeah and he's like he just turned 50 i think last week and did uh he did like the you know you skate your age so he did like 50 different tricks oh wow i got, wow. I got the older yeah. you get it the harder it gets it <laughs> uh, dude right yeah i gotta I got do 39 tricks next month oh boy oh so, boy i know i'd be up in the 51 the, category i don't know if i'd make it or not you know so uh, and and the and it's got to be 50 or it's got to have to be 51 different tricks holy cow you guys are brutal so, man no yeah yeah so i mean it's challenging and it's like it's like all right you're pulling out the stuff that you'd ever do so it's like no stall like like just little warm up tricks, little but you're just things. like you know sure, trying sure, to sure. fill in the gap. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That's but then cool. you're like, yeah, I need, I need like twenty tricks. All right, now I need to like start pushing it. So <laughs> right, right. Now that pushes you to yeah. improve once again. 
Again, well, yeah, exactly. Bobcast self improvement episode in a lot of ways. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> that uh, we got another video coming out too. Uh, the deadline for filming is Halloween, uh, so I think I don't know if we're gonna have a premiere. COVID, you know, we'll see what's right. happening with COVID in November, but uh, we should have it coming out sometime between November and New Year's. Uh, the last video is called Love. You can see it on uh, on YouTube. Just type in "love skate video" or look up "fish killer 1982." Um, but yeah, that's like they've done a couple videos without me, but that was the one I was in that came out 2018. Cool. Okay. So yeah, it's a it's a good one. Great soundtrack. A lot of we have a high five and montage. I mean, can't get better than you that. We're all you know. You can't go wrong. Yeah, like that. I said, we're all each other supporters. So you see us all in the background, like woo, like yelling, <laughs> screaming. So nice. Just a bunch of old dudes trying to like you know have some fun still. That's good, man. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. That's great. That's great. All right, scoops. Yeah. Cool, man. Was good talking to you for sure. Yeah, of course it was great. Uh, you take it easy and send my love out to everyone out there. Well, thank you so much to Scoops for talking to me on this episode. By the way, that song you heard between the interview segments was Hylia Blues by Floor Notes. I'm really glad Scoops reached out to me to talk for a bunch of reasons. One of those reasons is getting someone else's perspective that grew up surfing and skateboarding and playing punk rock music, all that. That's very important to me. One thing is, it's exactly what I did when I was growing up, and I continue to do to this day. In some ways, hearing from someone who did all the same stuff I did while I was a kid, and even now, but when you hear from someone who is not another white guy like me, I think that's important. Listening to voices of people who are different than we are, that's how we grow, that's how we learn, and that's how we figure out that there's absolutely no fucking need for racism of any kind in this world because we are all the same. We are all capable of and can be fucking rad people. Now, what's another reason for being stoked on this episode? Scoops is a super rad person who does incredibly rad things, and I like to talk to him. An example of Scoops's radness is the children's charity that he mentioned during the interview. That charity is called the Get Rad Skate Park Tour for Children's Health, and there will be a link to that organization on this episode's page on the Bobcast website. So help them out if you can. It is definitely a worthy cause. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again to Scoops. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please consider becoming my patron on Patreon. That would help me out quite a lot. The Patreon site is www.patreon.com slash I want to party with Bob. Now, here are the Birdos with the final song of this episode, Deep Clean. Thanks again for listening.